All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. We are in the 12th uh, uh, episode in this series about reflecting the image of the king. The main point that I want to drive home is this, is that we are to reflect uh, the image of the king through uh, being in alignment uh, with his will upon this earth. You know, most of my life I've, I've been a leader in some way or fashion. You know, I've managed uh, hundreds of people during this time, uh, whether it was in the construction industry and or in the therapeutic treatment uh, center environment. But what I could tell you uh, with uh, confidence is that uh, setting absolute clear expectations is the ultimate ingredient to success. Man, you, you ask me and say, Tim, what what does it take to be a successful leader? And I would say the first one is to set absolutely clear expectations, what it is that you want, the time frame in which you want it, and then begin to monitor uh, that your expectations are met. And when they're not, you have a meeting and you clarify expectations again, and you get people on board repeatedly uh, to those expectations. Now, in that is a clarifying of what you actually want. And that is you're saying, this is what I want. Uh, this is what I am looking for. And uh, you meet every single week until those expectations are met. And if they're not met, then maybe you meet in a daily fashion, right? So in the same manner, I want to point out uh, that God is the most amazing leader uh, that ever was, ever will be, and that is currently, right? And that he knows that uh, expectations are paramount. And in the same way, he shares with us what he wants and he shares with us what he's looking for. And this is really, really good news because uh, we're not left in the dark. And that is to say that we're not uh, going through this world haphazardly and not really understanding or fully grasping what the will of the Lord is and all these different things that it is clear uh, what it is that he's looking for and his expectations have been clearly communicated. There's nothing worse than a leader who doesn't communicate expectations and then doesn't provide coaching to meet those expectations. God does all of those things that he is the ultimate coach, the ultimate leader. He sets his expectations. He reveals what it is that he's actually looking for. And then he begins to coach us and to encourage us, to sway us, to influence us, to begin to walk inside of those expectations. And that is the powerful reality uh, of the gospel. So John uh, 6 38 says this, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I want to look at the, uh, this one translation that brings out something uh, powerful uh, inside of the way that they, they wrote this. The CEV translation says this, I didn't come from heaven to do what I want. I came down to do what the father wants me to do. He sent me and he wants to make certain that none of the ones that he has given me will be lost. Instead, he wants me to raise them up on the last day. 
So what we see here is the the ultimate example inside of Jesus Christ and coming down from heaven to do the will of the Father and him having such clarity involved with those expectations that it, it was abundantly clear what it is his mission was. And we talked about that. It is abundantly clear who we were job shadowing. We talked about that. It's abundantly clear what the mission is and what the agenda is. And so what he's saying is, I understand what it is that God wants. Now, this is uh, so, so important. And that is that, you know, there's multiple reasons why we wouldn't understand uh, what God wants. Uh, and we're going to dive into uh, some of those in a minute. But what I want to break down is what what it is this will means. What is the will of God? The first word to define the will is determination. And that is uh, you know, when we think of determination, we think of uh, having the grit and the uh, self-control and the character necessary to press through different uh, trials and tribulations and stuff. And that is one of the definitions of determination. But the other one is to determine beforehand. And that is that God has a, a will, a desire, and an agenda and that his mission is, is going forth on the earth today and that he has determined something. He has determined that his kingdom will come and that he will set up and establish a throne upon this earth and there will be a kingdom of peace. And so all of this has the concept and idea of something that God has determined to carry out. And his determination is connected to what he wants and what he wills. And that brings us to the second definition is purpose. Now, when we think of purpose, we think of, you know, having our life's mission and, and uh, attached to like significance and all these different things. Uh, but when it's attached to the will, it means to purpose means that it's the stated outcome and intention. So attaching his will to his purposes is understanding that that's what God wants. And we've already talked about some of those purposes uh, as far as us being conformed to the image of his son. What does God want? God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's one of his uh, determinations. That's one of his purposes. So we see will attached to purpose. The third one is desire. And this is to say God's will is what he wants. And that he desires uh, to have that. And it's something that takes place on the inside of him. And this is what, uh, 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 you know, God is a God that is uh, filled with desire. And we are made uh, in his image to begin to desire things also. And the fourth one is pleasure. And this is attached to more of like a good pleasure. That is that it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means that he thoroughly uh, is his determination and purpose and desire to for you to step inside of his kingdom. And it's his good pleasure to do so. That's what he wants to do. So we see those four words, determination, purpose, desire, and pleasure. And this is attached to, to God, God's determination, God's purpose, God's desire, and what God's uh, pleasure is is. So what's the problem? I'm about to bust it out for you what this problem is, is that people uh, in general uh, do not know what God's will is. And that is a sense of ignorance. And there is a, a clause, and I'm going to give you this clause, um, that the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, 
And then the fruit in the byproduct after that is that you may be able to know and understand what the will of God is. Okay. And one of these things that, uh, that keep us ignorant uh, of not knowing what God's will is, is um, because we haven't um, uh, noticed or recognized that we're not supposed to be transformed and conformed to the likeness and the pattern and the image that the world is given out, right? So if we're like totally involved in that knee deep and all of that stuff, it's going to be impossible for us to understand what the will of God is. And the will of God happens inside of this, uh, this mindset shift and this transformation that happens through mind renewal. So here's the reality about what we're facing that God calls us to, uh, to enter inside of his kingdom and that he becomes our King and he begins to reign inside of our lives. And, um, healing begins to take place. He begins to restore our soul. And within that soul is mind, will, and emotions. And he begins to touch every single aspect of those things. He begins to heal our mind. He begins to heal our will and he begins to heal our emotions. Right. And this is, is often a process. And that is to say that, you know, he doesn't, um, heal everything, uh, all at one time. And this healing happens as a process of mind renewal. And that is the process of renewing our mind. And that is, it comes from the things that God speaks to us. Okay. And hearing his view and opinion and the way that he sees things. And then we are confronted with truth and reality. And we decide whether we want to abandon our own view and our own opinion and accept his. And this is a whole process of mind renewal. God is in the business of correcting our thinking errors. <laughs> he is in the business of transforming our limiting beliefs and all the things that we, we hold as true so we can begin to walk in the freedom that he has for us. So that's to say that he heals us, he frees us, he brings us inside of his kingdom, and then he begins the process of transformation, and that is renewing our mind by his truth. And this is the one reason why people don't understand or know what God's will is. It's because they have engaged in that process. They may have said a prayer, may have joined a church, they may have uh, uh, did the baptism, they may have got on the attendance roll and, and become a member of the church and all those different things. But what they did not do is understanding that they weren't supposed to be conformed to the pattern of the world and that to begin this process of, of mind renewal. And so it leaves them in the state of not knowing what the will of God is. Number two, believers are more consumed with self-will. Now, I believe this happens uh, for multiple different reasons, but I think the the message of the death of the old life and the resurrection, like the phoenix rising from the ashes anew, I think that that concept and that message has uh, been weakened, and I don't think that it's it has come in its power. And that is to say that uh, uh, people uh, make a commitment uh, for Christ as Savior, and then they continue with a self on the throne, and they continue in their selfish ways, and they continue in all of their selfish pursuits as far as um, using God as a genie to give them this wonderful, blessed, happy, peaceful, prosperous life, um, and self is still enthroned. So that's problem number two. Problem number three in this is that believers don't really want to do his will. 
uh, and this is a, a sad state of, uh, of rebellion, and that is that we're, we're holding on to lies. Uh, we're holding on to some habits. We're holding on to addictions. And God wants us uh, uh, to understand that we are free. God wants us to walk in liberty and God wants to begin this process of transformation, but we're just not willing. Okay. And we're holding on to those painful things. And so uh, when it comes to his will, uh, there are some people that really don't want to execute and carry out and perform what it is. His will is right. And then lastly, the problem inside of this is that sometimes his will seems difficult. And that is when it comes to allegiances and smashing idols and letting go of addictions and, and relationships and all of these things, these things are a, uh, they're tied, uh, to our heart. And that is if you've ever let go of a, a of an addiction, it's, it's like saying goodbye to a lover. And if you ever let go of a, a relationship that has your heart entangled in there and, you know, it, and God is calling you to let go of that relationship, what you what is actually being uh, happening is being ripped and torn. Right. And, and this process is extremely painful to detach from these things and from these people and from all of these different things that it uh, produces a, a great pain and a great suffering. And people just don't want to go through the process. It kind of reminds me of alcoholism in the sense when you're deep in it, when you're deep in alcoholism that the the suffering involved with not drinking and what it does to your body and your sugar levels and the shakes and the, and the delusions and the uh, depressing feelings that come upon you that it's it, you know it's much easier just to just to drink and so it is oftentimes that 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 the will of God is difficult and it's going to be painful but we have this promise that God says that I will never leave you nor will I forsake you and he is the power source to begin to uh, uh, rip apart those allegiances that are in, inside of our lives. So that is often the case. Problem number four, sometimes his will is difficult. Could be letting go of a relationship, letting go of a, of a career that just doesn't glorify God and it's not going to lead you to anywhere good and all these different things come into play inside of that. So the pain. The pain of being in the state of ignorance is enough. <laughs> and that is the pain of not knowing what God wants of me. And the confusion that, that arrives from inside of that is enough pain in itself. Um, but there's more pain than that. And that is the, the self-centered lifestyle of being consumed with myself uh, brings me to put self into the center. And that causes me to suffer personally. It also causes everyone around me to suffer. And that is to say that if uh, I know what the will of God is and that I don't want to execute and carry out that will, then I find myself uh, in an active rebellion. And that is things start getting painful. Anybody who's in active rebellion is going to uh, the way of hard knocks. And that is that they're going to constantly bump their head against the wall and they're going to learn the hard way. And that's not God's method or mode for us. God wants us to understand his wisdom and the logic and the mindset and the paradigm, which he sees things and to begin to have that mind of Christ. And that is to say that we don't have to uh, learn the hard way. We don't have to constantly uh, uh, touch the stove to know it's hot. We can understand from his wisdom that the stove is hot. You see the two different mindsets. I'm not 
thoroughly convinced that the stove is hot. I don't really believe that fat meat is greasy. And so I'm going to uh, test it out for myself and actually see. And this uh, leads to the very uh, libertine uh, licensed sin crowd that, you know, we just got to go and experience all of these things to find out for ourselves. And the reality is about his wisdom is that he will give it to us and we don't have to learn the hard way. And rebellion is really, really painful. <laughs> that was uh, what was said to Paul. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? And that is you're kicking against something that is sharp and that you're kicking against it and it's causing your own pain, right? That's what he was telling Paul. And so the reality of active rebellion is extremely, extremely painful. Uh, and God wants us to uh, listen to him. And to avoid those sort of pains. And lastly, the the pain of not facing hard things. And that is if his will is hard and it is difficult and we don't particularly want to face that, then we are, we are going to put ourselves into this painful situation where we are not willing to uh, confront. We're not willing to face head on the pain and all these different things. And there's a lot of pain involved with all of those. Okay. So the possibility is this is that we begin to grab a hold of the reflecting the image of the king and see Jesus as the ultimate reflection of that. And he said this, that he came down to do the will of the father in heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. That is his mission. That's what he was carrying out. That's what he was embodying. And we, as a reflection of the king, embody that same mindset. That we are here uh, not to do uh, the will of the old man. That is the selfish ambition, the lust for more, uh, the the dead in the in the sins and, and the guilt and the shame and all that stuff that goes along with that old life. That we're not here to execute and carry out the will of the nature of sin and fear. That we're here to carry out the divine will. And so having that same mindset is a, a, is a reflection of the King. Now, understanding this, that God is a God of, uh, 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 love passion. And that is to say, if, uh, if he has and is love, then that he has desires. Okay. And seeing inside of the scriptures, what it is that God wants is absolutely paramount to us begin to walking inside of that. And that is to say the story that I first uh, started this lesson with is that any uh, leader who's worth their salt clearly communicates their expectations. And it's, it, it's abundantly clear what they want. Okay. Abundantly clear. So in Psalms 51, six, it says this, behold, you desire, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, you make known wisdom. So in here, we see exactly what it is that God wants in, in, in to frame this when it says you desire uh, with the full ramifications of the definition is that you want this, uh, you, you crave this, you seek this and you are asking and requiring this. So if we were setting expectations inside of a job environment, this would be the expectation list is saying, this is what I, this is what I want. This is what I crave. This is what I seek. This is what I'm asking for. Right. And so we see this attached to truth 
And this has its foundation inside of honesty and faithfulness, integrity, and sincerity in the inward parts. And that is the inside of our heart. So God has taken that stony heart out of our flesh and he has given us a heart of flesh. And that is a heart that, that is open to him, the heart that responds to him. And what he's looking for inside of that heart is a honesty, a faithfulness, integrity, and sincerity. That is what God wants. That is what he's looking for. A heart that is honest, uh, faithful, in integrity, and sincere. Now, seeing how God wants this uh, faithfulness, then, then we understand that um, as far as his relationship with us, that he is looking for us to be faithful to him. Now, think about this for a moment, that any uh, relationship that says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not looking for you to be honest with me. I'm not looking for you to be faithful to me. I'm not looking for any sort of integrity inside of your life. Uh, I'm not looking for any sincerity on your part, right? And someone goes with that mindset into the relationship with these loose expectations. Uh, what kind of person are they going to yoke themselves up with? What kind of marriage are they going to have that doesn't have these qualities inside of their lives? And what kind of pain are they going to bring inside of their life? It's going to be a devastation. It's going to be a disaster, right? And so God's saying this is that in all of those things, he is, right? He is a, a God who is honest. He calls it like it is. He tells the truth. He is a God who's faithful. He is uh, uh, ultimate truth and goodness, and he stands uh, inside of that integrity, and he, he comes to us sincerely in, in all occasions, right? So we see and behold that that's the way he is for us, and having that inspire the same reaction inside of us. Now, now faithfulness is, uh, is an expectation, uh, it is required. Now, here's what I need to talk about this, because it doesn't mean that we carry this out without any flaw, right? This is to say that this is what God wants and this is what he's looking for. It doesn't mean that we are perfect and that we can execute in all these ways. But what it does mean is that not only do we focus on the faithfulness of God, but the faithfulness of us matters also. And that is to say that there's been an extreme focus on all the ways that God is faithful, but we don't allow that to, to begin to permeate our own souls that inspire us a faithfulness to him in return. And that's what God is looking for, a, a, a honesty, a faithfulness, and sincerity um, back to him in return. Okay, that is a awesome, awesome reality. The next one is, uh, is um, desiring mercy. For I desire mercy. This is Hosea 6, 6. This is a powerful, powerful scripture. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And so this once again is attaching to what it is that God actually wants. And it's, it's this desire mercy, but what it's uh, the actual words that, that are synonyms to this word and that go along with this is love loyalty, faithfulness, and goodness. And so I desire loyalty and not merely a sacrifice, right? So what happens inside the religious community in the religious world is that they were, uh, instead of uh, focusing on, you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and being loyal to him, 
that the focus became on the sacrifice is that if I can uh, give him enough um, that it'll, 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 it'll appease my conscience and he'll be okay with this sacrifice. But what he was actually looking for was loyalty and faithfulness from the beginning. Right. And so this loyalty, um, I got to point out this because it's easy for people to get legalistic with these kind of concepts. And that is that he's looking for uh, perfection and he's looking for 100% obedience to his commands. Now, what I want to point out in that is, is that anybody who is a parent uh, knows that having a child that you want them to uh, yield to your wisdom and you want them to begin to do the right things, but you are not looking for 100% um, alliance uh, with your uh, with your uh, commandments, if you will, with your rules. In fact, you know and expect that they're going to challenge these rules. And the, the thought of uh, just being about the rules doesn't really uh, come into play inside of that human relationship. You, you, you brought a child into this world to, to encourage them, to train them, to raise them, knowing that they're going to make plenty of mistakes. And ultimately, it's you know, guiding them inside of your wisdom and, and having them become responsible and all these different things. With God, it's the same way. That he knows that we're going through a process that we're learning how to walk. That's not the the conflict of loyalty that's being uh, propagated. The conflict to loyalty would be, um, you're not my father. Uh, I don't believe and trust and place my confidence in you uh, for my immortality. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I don't see my. I don't see you as my king, and I'm going to worship and to serve other gods. You know, all of these uh, are the attachment to loyalty, and what we often do is attach it to this behavior list of performance and say, "Well, I'm disloyal because I made a mistake," and that's not what God is attaching uh, loyalty and faithfulness to. It's like, am I your God? Do you love me? Uh, do you do you trust me? Do you place your confidence inside of me? Am I your hope? Now that is the the allegiance and the loyalty that he is looking for. He's not looking for absolute perfection to every single possible standard. He wants to know: Am I your king? Am I your God? Are you are you pledging your allegiance to me? Are you inside of my kingdom? Are you my child? Now, anything that begins to challenge those allegiances, then that comes into play to loyalty and faithfulness, but not making a mistake, not getting mad at somebody or, 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 or different things like that, though, you know, it, we might need to uh, go to him and have him change and transform some of those things that are going on, but that's not a question of loyalty. And so it is inside of a marriage. When we look at a marriage, like there's not uh, uh, the spats and the arguments or the different things that take place inside of a marriage. Uh, those are not questions of loyalty, faithfulness and allegiances. Okay. Those are normal uh, things that we work through and we go through the process, but the allegiance, the loyalty, and that is not in question. So what God is looking for is for your allegiances, for your loyalty and for your faithfulness to not be in question. And that is that we uh, uh, begin to serve other gods and that we say, you know what, I'm going just to be so obsessed with mammon, the money God. 
of envy and prosperity and all that thing, that that's going to be my focus and my, I'm going to give that my heart allegiance. Now we're starting to talk about loyalty and faithfulness and allegiance is shifting. Or uh, if it's inside of the world and its systems and, and it's like, and God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And we begin to draw our, our, our trust and confidence inside of the things of the world. And we remove them from placing them of our trust in God. Then we just had an allegiance shift. A loyalty has shifted. And those are the big things that, that God is concerned about. I desire loyalty. Now, people think that, uh, you know, from that uh, place of unfaithfulness that I can, um, you know, uh, appease God by a sacrifice and all these different things. And that's not what he was looking for. Another translation shows this. I want to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than burnt offerings. And oftentimes uh, people get stuck in their religiosity and their systems and stuff. And God is saying, you know what? I just want to, I just want this love relationship. I just want this allegiance. I want this uh, commitment from you that I am your God and that you trust me and that uh, there is this love relationship going on. Moving on. So God says that um, in John four twenty three, uh, that the father uh, seeks uh, uh worship in spirit and in truth the niv translation says these are the kind of worshipers that the father seeks the csb translation says yes the father wants such people to worship him and the Holman translation says yes the father wants such people to worship him so we see these translations pointing out this is what god desires this is what God wants and that his will is attached to spirit and in truth. What I got to point out here is that, you know, it's two things. It's spirit and it's truth. And that is that we have the crowd that's, you know, all about the spirit manifestation and the emotions and all of those different things. And it's a very, uh, um, it's a very emotional experience and they, you know, to their um, benefit, they believed in, you know, the gifts of the spirit and all these different things and the manifestations of the spirit. And that's all good and fine. But God wants to be worshiped in truth also. And that is that we begin to understand and to know and experience uh, who he is uh, grounding inside of the foundation of that Jesus Christ left inside of truth. Right. But then we also have those who are grounded in truth and they don't have any spirit. <laughs> that is, it's all an intellectual exercise. It's all about doctrine. It's all about uh, everything that's been passed on from their from their gurus that they look up to or the name in which their denomination uh, uh, takes its uh, root in and all these different things. And they're established in the, in a sense of truth. And God is looking for both spirit and in truth. And that is that he wants to begin to manifest that way in more of a wholeness. And right now we got like split sides. So that's the spirit crowd. That's the truth, truth crowd. And each one, none of them have them put together in the sense where they have the truth and, and they have the spirit of God beginning to operate. And so God wants spirit and truth. And this is the holistic uh, form of worship uh, that he is looking for. First Timothy two, four says this, that God desires all men 
to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what he wants. Now, when we begin to see that that was Christ's mission for him to come to the earth and bring healing, and that God's desire uh, is to have all men to be saved, then we would uh, begin to manifest that same reality and take upon that mindset that everything that God wants, I want to. And that is that I want, uh, I want people to uh, begin to have truth, honesty, and sincerity on the inward parts, that I would want people to be faithful to God also, and that I would want uh, people to understand uh, uh, the concepts of loyalty and allegiances, and that they would go all in with God and seek first the kingdom of God. I want that too for people, right? Not only that, but I want people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is this whole uh, message and gospel of the kingdom uh, together, not this division of one side and the other. They need to uh, both uh, spirit and truth. I want that too. And then when it comes to the context of desiring all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, that I embody that and that's what I want too, is that I would want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the word saved, it comes from the word, uh, Greek word sozo, right? And it means to be delivered. It means to be preserved. It means to be whole and it means to be well. So when we're saying that God wants this, we're saying that he wants people delivered. He wants people preserved. He wants people whole and he wants people well. This is, this is what he wants. And so conforming to the mindset and the image of the king is, I want this too. I want people to be delivered. I want people to be preserved. I want people to be whole and I want people to be well. And ultimately what it is that I want to people to come to the knowledge of the truth that is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth and the life. I want this too. So inside of deliverance is, is freedom uh, from addictions, but deliverance is freedom from the kingdom of darkness. This preservation is that of the soul that the, that it's being uh, preserved from decay and rot. And that is that we are not uh, eroding like the world and its systems are that we're actually becoming better. And we're changed and transformed into his image from glory to glory to glory. And that we are becoming better. This is the preservation the wholeness inside of this message is that we, our spirit side has been activated. We have become alive and we have been born from above and we are his spiritual children and we are inside of his kingdom. And now we are not operating on 66% capacity. Now we are operating on 100% all cylinders firing. And to be well is this, this inner uh, a restoration of the soul that we begin to heal our uh, the skeletons that are dancing around in our closet and that the darkness uh, begins to be uh, healed and we, we come to a place of restoration and wholeness. This is what God wants. Reflecting him is wanting it too. And the last one in Mark uh, 3.13, that he went up to the mountain, this is Jesus, and he called those two uh, he himself wanted, and they came up to him. So here he is, he's, um, you know, he's selecting those who uh, are following him, and that is that he called out to his disciples, and he called them that he himself wanted. And so I got to point out inside of this uh, desire 
inside of what God wants is uh, this discipleship. And that is for us to understand that we are to be fathered by God. And that Christ calls us into this mentorship where we begin to see everything he is. We begin to behold everything he is and his example becomes our life. And we walk in the footsteps and the pattern and all these different things of what it means to actually uh, follow Christ. So he called those whom he wanted. I don't know about you, but this brings me great joy in the sense because I feel the calling uh, to discipleship. And I feel the calling to begin to disciple and to mentor others. And that is to say that God has placed this desire inside of my heart because Tim, the old man, the sinful man, he doesn't want any of those things. Okay. What he wants is to get high. What he wants is to please the flesh. What he wants is a a life of comfort and a life of ease. Okay. So I know that this is the new spirit man and the spirit desires that God has begun to put into my heart to begin to be discipled by Christ, be fathered by God, and to take that in to begin to mentor other people. So he wants me. He himself wanted me. In fact, I chose me before the foundation of the world. And what is true of me is true of you. And that is he wanted you and he chose you. And the purpose and the intention was to draw you to a more intimate relationship inside of this discipleship. So you can begin to uh, get founded inside of his principles and his ways. So you can take those things and begin to mentor other people and to disciple others. He wants this discipleship relationship. That's what he wants. And so we see in all of this, when I see what it is exactly God wants, that I'm going to begin to behold that. I'm going to begin to see that. And then I'm going to begin to conform to that same image and the heart that he has placed on the inside of us longs for righteousness. And what that means is we long to want what it is God wants. And he places his desires within our heart. And that's why he says, I will give you the desires of your, I will give them to you. These are the desires that I want you to have. And I've placed them in you because I've given you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will cause you to walk in my ways. And that's what he says. Let his desires uh, begin to uh, be implanted inside of your heart. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.